hello and welcome to another Assault Casual Tracker. This is going to be a different type of video because the interview that I had on my last podcast uh, was broken up into three different ones and I wasn't aware that was going to be a thing. So this is going to be consolidating them all into one thing. That's why there's going to be three different introductions to the podcast. So with that being said, here is the podcast. Today I have a special guest. His name is Gene Van Horn. And I understand you have your own podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's correct, Zach. Um, I have a podcast through the company that I lead sales for. The company is called ConvoyOP.com. It's a LA-based IT company. We are software-based. We help merchants online to provide order protection for their customers who place orders. And we have a monthly podcast. That is awesome. So, Mr. Eugene, we are take, we are finally getting all the cast back together since 2002 Star Trek Nemesis. 21 years after that. What were your initial thoughts on just that announcement? <laughs> you, you just blew my mind by even just reiterating it, Zach. I mean, I am in heaven. It's like it's like the original series never went off the air to me now. We get to really involve ourselves in their lives and see how they ended up. Jordy's got two daughters. I mean, what more can we have? Exactly. Because I'm like, it's not like it's a comic book thing or kind of like any kind of animated thing where you can just draw whoever. You had to get all of these people to come back. And this is after it was announced when they first said that they were going to have a three-season Star Trek Picard that the original cast wasn't ever going to come back. And somewhere along the line in the the third season and second season when they were switching up the uh, showrunners, that idea was mothballed. So the fact that they were able to get LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Gates McFadden, and um, all the rest of them to come back for one more more outing, I thought was like, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I agree. I mean, it was in the middle of a pandemic, too. I mean, when we look back on this, we'll be like praising the producers and directors to high heaven because they organized this and most of it they did in secret so i'm like what in the world this this is just the greatest news yeah and i'm very appreciative that they were able to sprinkle in some of the legacy cast members prior to season three now some might call that uh work a little bit with bringing in deanna troy and will Riker, and then bringing in um, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan and John Delancey as Q. But to that, I say, gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> people aren't going to be around forever. They're not going to be able to do these shows because you're not going to have a show to do it with. So I'd rather have it than not have it myself. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 right. I, I would see pictures of Michael Dorn and LeVar Burton being on set. You know, I, I think it was probably during that time when they were filming Deanna Troy and Riker and their daughter. And, you know, they had them come on set. And I'm like, why are you going to have them come on set and not do anything? Uh, you 
I, I, I'm glad that they allowed something to happen because it, it would have felt like so um, empty for us if we would have known that they were orbiting all this stuff going on but never allowed to be on screen. So, yeah, it, I, I'm happy that we saw some sprinklings before, but it's great now that they are season three. You know, season three is revolving around that original group. Now, the big question is, is it going to be like a world-ending sort of plotline, or is it going to be more of like a character-based plotline, where it's not going to matter to the whole universe as a whole, but like, from the trailer, it looked like it's going to be started with Beverly Crusher, and it's kind of be localized to them. Is there a way that you would rather them go? Do you want it to be the world-ending thing, a high stake, something has to happen, or boom? Or is it just more the emotional connection to the characters? You want to see how they've evolved over the course of 21 actual years? Well, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I don't think that they can get away from it being world-ending because they've got 10 episodes, and I think they've got to revolve around the cast but you got to have something that's at stake universally if not is it, it i think we're going to get bored <laughs> that is so, true because yeah i used to the fact that there's like these high stake things to where if you do have like a smaller level it's not gonna be as interesting to you i mean it'll be interesting to like a hardcore fan but the person that's just tuning in to watch it they, you don't want it to look like leave it to beaver you want it to be like <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And then we have the uh, announcement a little while ago that uh, that Tasha was going to be in some way referenced, and it wasn't going to be a Sila thing, like a Denise, a Denise Crosby cameo as Sila, but literally as Tasha Yar. And the minute I heard that, my mind was like, how many ways can I put this character in? But then I realized... It could just simply be like a holographic thing, like they're like uh, some simple thing. But because this character's been gone since season one of uh, <laughs> the actual character herself, that would be the person that you would see in this show was gone since season one. I mean, you have you 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 have her coming back for um, the final ep- the, the final episode. You have her coming back for yesterday's Enterprise. But her actual character that they would reference in season three is the one that was was killed in Skin of Evil. So I'm curious thoughts are. Do you want her to have like actual like she came in for like a day of work and they had some sort of cool little hologram thing that uh, someone is watching? Maybe even the whole data. Maybe he's before. Maybe he's lore type thing. Or do you want her to have like just the same old? She's like a hologram on a on a table that is the same one that we saw with her in the show you know that that's a big big question because i i love denise crosby and she is such good friends with the crew i mean you see her in pictures and outings and events with them but like her character arc like you said stopped in season one then we saw her daughter later on so it's going to be weird. Whatever they do, it'll be exciting, but I can't see any extended thing coming back because um, anything's possible in science fiction, yeah, but but the chemistry between her and where the characters ended up by the end of the, the last season is not there. So 
they're gonna have to be careful with that so we don't rebel you know us rebel the fandom we're all together come <laughs> on i forgot about that yeah we, we we like everything we'll take it all exactly <laughs> all right so when they had the uh the uh new york city comic-con thing and they had they released that awesome trailer and afterwards they were talking to the crew um uh brent Spiner had this problem with who he was playing and instead of just going yeah lore's back it was kind of crazy putting him back on that character after so long because i know i think the last time we saw war was in defense in tng when he got deactivated i think that's when the last time we saw him was and so he could have said anything along those lines because of how long it's been to play that character. But instead, he was like, "Before Data and blah blah blah." I'm like, "What's going on here?" So it got me. I got me thinking. He's playing some kind of hybrid, and then the internet blew up with all these different uh, YouTubers and podcasters talking about him being like a mix of all three androids, rather than it being like. It's going to be, I feel like it'd be like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type situation where sometimes you have before, sometimes you have data, sometimes you have lore. Do you want it to be straight lore? Do you want it to be before with um, data's memory, but with lore's like body sort of deal? Or how do you want them to approach the whole data and Brent Spiner playing lore in quotation marks? You know, that, that, that is really cool. I, what I like about Brent Spiner is he's really slippery. You know, he's not going to let you pin him down um, on anything. And he pretty much seems to be sick of playing Data. I mean, he, he knows he's aged out of it. He's not into that anymore. And, and I think about Leonard Nimoy, too. I mean, Leonard Nimoy loves being Spock, but it gets, it gets so limiting after a time and so i can see like uh spiner having a great time with this and just slipping in and out of a whole bunch of different things and just keeping us off balance because he he has such good acting skills like he showed in season two i i think he'd want to have fun and i want him to just do whatever he wants uh to keep everything scary i think didn't he have like a a starfleet uniform on in one of the pictures it's like what in the world what, what is he doing and yeah, so I I can't wait. The uniform looked like a little bit like a DS9 looking one from the little, the little quick shot we had of it. And it kind of reminds me of how the different star bases, their uniforms aren't necessarily uh, made to what the standard is because they're so far out. So I think that was like a little clue as to uh, how long that character's been around rather than like fresh out if he'd be in a regular uniform. Hmm. Now, the second thing is the ships. We've been teased like day in and day out. There's going to be so many ships, so many ships, so many ships. Because season one and season two, we had like the least amount of ships in a Star Trek show. Right, right. Season three, they brought back like original art designers, the original people that were in the series. And um, they were teasing that we're going to have multiple enterprises. And there's even this thing where in the trailer when uh, when when they're going to the ship like hello beautiful that it's a that that it's a uh, like one of those things where they trick you where it's actually gonna be like the Enterprise D similar to what they did in All Good Things when when Riker said that they were trying to mothballer and admirals have the right to choose their own ship type deal and they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna rebuild the, the bottom section but 
It could also just be like a museum, and that's where all the crew kind of comes together, maybe. And that's how we get the Enterprise D. What were your thoughts when you saw the Enterprise F for the first time in canon? You know, I have to give kudos to all the ship guys because I, I am not liking the battle of like the different ship designs. I think it's cool, but I'm like more into the people and the characters. But what I do know is that they have to get their mojo back after that disaster in season one where the Tal Shiar was up against Riker and Riker, all Riker's fleet looked the same. <laughs> you know, they, in the CGI, they didn't really do much work to differentiate that. And, and, and the internet just went crazy mocking that, uh, that scene. And so now they get to redeem themselves with all this detail and differentiation. So that's what I'm looking for, that there's some creativity. And I think, I think they've earned it now because it takes budget to make that. And that was season one. We didn't know how it would go. And then when it blew it out of the water, now, now they've got, they've got the mojo and they've got the financing or had it to build these images. How do you feel about them having a reference to the events of all good things, seeing how all good things takes place 20 plus years after the events of TNG. We're in basically the, almost the same time frame that, uh, that all good was. Yeah, that, that I think is going down in the history of television uh, because that all good things was so weird to see, you know, how did Picard look old and he seemed more like, uh, feeble than he really is now. And how did Jordy look old, which is kind of the way he looks now is what he looked like in all good things. So it's, 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 it's going to be cool to compare. It's almost like that episode of the original series where the crew got aged rapidly from that disease and imagine if they well we did see them later on in series but not quite as old but you know where where we age now in this modern era and where people used to think we would look like or what we would age is two different things but it's like it's really cool that we are here and can actually even be comparing that all of them survived these 20 something years you know everyone's still in pretty decent health no one died so it's going to be a treat. Now, there is a very large elephant in the room here for season three, because in order to fit all of these characters that we know and love in season three, we had to let go of a lot of people. We had to let yeah. go of Bill, Isaac Briones, Orla Brady, and then Santiago Cabrera. And they were able to keep... Um, Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd, but how do you feel about the other people that made up a very large part of one in season two being kind of gasted, for lack of a better phrase, in order to bring back... Go ahead, I'm sorry, good job. To, to be able to bring back the original cast from Star Trek The Next the Star Trek the Next Generation, how do you feel about them being given the shaft for, for lack of a better phrase? <laughs> well, you know, I saw on the internet today in preparation for our podcast tonight that Orla Brady is mentioned as a minor character in season three. So, you know, I, I was pleased to see that because she did have like this big connection with Picard 
the season and towards the end, uh, and then all these references uh, back to what would happen with them through the series. So I'm hoping that we that is true and we see a glimpse of her to some degree because she she is a good solid part of the the series. The other folks, I feel bad that they're not there, um, but to some degree, their stories were were told, and it's like all they would be is like um, uh, basically people on the sidelines in season three. I mean, can you imagine if there's a scene with um, Briones as Data's daughter, and then you got Lore? I mean, it's just a little bit too much distraction there to really help the story go along. You know, it's like. What does she say to her uncle? Exactly. <laughs> the last so. one we had 10 episodes and they wrap up. We know there's not going to be any more Star Trek Picard after the after third season. They just put all their chips in and they were playing some, some blind poker to see what, what, what happens. But it's been teased that it's possibly not the last outing for one or more of the characters, they might actually have like a branch off point where the where the other characters keep going on the on the series. Which one of the main cast would you want to see in their own series going forward? Wow. Um, let me ask. I want to hear what you say first. Who would you? I would probably go with Jordy LaForge, just because he is an everyman. He can do everything. I mean, his acting ability is like through the roof. He can do a lot of things. And um, I think I think his storyline would be the most interesting because you could put him in the most craziest thing and he could techno babble his way out of it. <laughs> so I think of all of them, he would probably be the best one suited for a, uh, a weekly TV show that's supposed to be kind of like made in the vein of 24 where it just keeps on going, going stuff at you. Right, right. That, that That's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have even thought, um, thinking of uh, Jordy. I know I'm, I am so amazed at how 709 has like come into her own and everyone is like really in you mentioned the original cast she's not the original cast but like she's now being coupled with the original cast and and i see her being able to carry like a series and then you know wharf too uh michael dorn has been knocking on the door for his own series for like 20 years now and i think if he really rises to the top as far as fan appreciation during this 10 episode series, I think they can't help but deny him like, you know, a three season series or something like, you know, he he's a pacifist now, according to like the trailer. So it's going to be really interesting. I cling on pacifist uh, who's it looks like he's a captain or something, but that would be like kind of cool to watch for a few years. My only asterisk to that would be without all the crazy redesign and hate for Discovery, we got a full season of just Klingons, basically, in season one of Discovery. <laughs> Wasn't well received because we now we do different kind of storytelling than what we did back in the 80s. Like, if you were to release TNG right now, season one, weekly, I don't think it would last because it's drawn a lot on character rather than, like, 
a big bad and a wow going on. Mm-hmm. And I think because now the you know they're filming with digital cameras and it's really you gotta have your production value be really good for us Eagle Eye fans who pause every single screen. I suspect that if you did a full Klingon thing, you'd want them to be doing Klingon stuff. And based on, <laughs> I think they would be really hesitant to uh, do it again for fear of that being a recurring theme again. Now, could Worf be, could, could they do like a twofer? Have like a Worf and Jordy type show so where you balance it out a little bit to where you're doing this and then you go to there and you go back to here again. That way you're not diluting yourself with straight up uh, Klingon uh, myth- uh, mythology every single week. Right, that's that's a good point, yeah. I mean, you, you've got a good point there. Things have evolved and we're in a new age now of this, this uh, on-demand TV with all our gadgets and things. It's not like you have to tune in same time, same channel like before. Uh, and cliffhangers were the big thing. Yes, yeah, so, I mean I, I get where you're coming from. And if you put it that way, I can't even really answer the question. I don't. I don't know who who would. I think I have to see season three before I can decide on a person that I think I could really want to uh, rally around for their own series. So when we got the announcement, like before the midway, right at the midway point of do and they like they like made every fan's wet dream came true and you saw those names slam down on the screen and i know everyone in america or in, in, in the world was like all oh, their news going whoa what just happened we saw all those names and then we got to see a teaser where we got to see them as their characters now how they're going to look what was your initial reaction from seeing the names to seeing them in that teaser with just them like having a moment to show this is what Worf looks like. This is what Counselor Troy looks like now. Even though we saw her in, in uh, season one, you get to see her now. She's going to be in a different context than just um, Riker's wife at home with with her daughter. Right. And, you know, the, the timing of that was so cool because we got that news before season two was over. So I was really, like, psyched. I, I was a little bit sad for who I when I read that the some of the current cast members in season two weren't going to be rolled over especially Elnor who's one of my favorites I was like oh man that's the end of Elnor right there you know and he was barely around in season two and I was like wow but but to see that news was so like encouraging and it it really has tied me over until we had the trailers in September so I, I was really psyched about that yeah, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, wow. Because it, it definitely has, like, I could take the Discovery crew out of their show and I could put the TNG crew in that show instead and it would look very similar to how it's shot. Yes, yes, yeah. It's movie value, movie yeah. quality. Like, I remember when I was sitting down to watch the first episode of Discovery and I was like, holy hell. This is beautiful. I love this. Mm-hmm. I in that episode with his emotion chip. His emotion chip. Yeah. Can't, I can't wait. It's really good. I mean, they, they put in like 10 million an episode. Imagine. It's like, that's so crazy. It better look good. So what was your the most exciting thing for you from the trailer? 
you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I watched the trailer a few times, but I'm not like I don't like pick it apart because I'm just like so excited that I'm just I just kind of start engaging like in in Facebook and in our our uh, Picard group. I start like you know interacting with people instead of like really going back and forth to the trailer. And I look at what people think about it. Really psyched about that but i think if you have to pin me down what was the most exciting part i really would have to say like when picard is in that cafe or wherever he is it's dark lit and then uh some people from the federation approach him and you can't see their faces but you can tell that they're like high-ranking officials and i'm like okay here we go this is this is where he he gets re-engaged and and that that excited me because there's a little bit of mystery as to who those people were and it was clear that he was still someone in high rank Picard himself and that I like that the most and then the other funny thing is like when Pike when Riker said we're gonna die after Worf gives his pacifist speech <laughs> he knows that Worf is really not gonna have his back if he's going pacifist role I, and I, I thought that was funny because you have to be a Trekkie to have grasped the funniness uh, the humor in that that interchange it was almost like comedy and it's a callback actually to uh, First Contact when uh, he comes on the bridge and then Riker comes up to him and says do you still know how to fire do you still know how to fire fists do you still know how to fire phasers and then, and then what happened <laughs> He gave him a dirty old look. And the minute he said that line, it immediately reminded me of that scene. That, that, that. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I got you on here. You're like dating. You're like a computer. Because, yeah, I recall that now. And I didn't know they were making that connection. But that's that's funny. That it, it even I would go on to say, now, that is my favorite scene, then from that. If it's got, like, 20-year, 20 20-something-year 20 uh, roots on it. That's good stuff. My favorite part is the fact that they acknowledged that um, they gave the same uh, names to Jordy's daughter that they had in All Good Things, which makes it less a Q creative thing, because that's one of the things that really, really. Oh, this is Casual Checker. We are back. Horn Jr., we are discussing. Season three is Star Trek, but this is going to be part of this podcast, because apparently there is a time limit. So, where I left off was, what I was saying was, it really irritates me when people think that everything that Q did was all fake and all just fiction. In all good things, the timeline we see in the future has no uh, red energy thing that Picard sees in the other two, where the Enterprise gets redirected and it changes the events of what's happening. That doesn't happen. We get to see how the future actually goes through the perception of the TNG writers before they did Star Trek Generation. And one could argue, one could argue that um, that because Picard saw that and he talked to his crew, now they're going to do things differently. That leads us to Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis, and so forth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think that the inclusion of the daughter's names as the same as it was in TNG's All Good Things, it makes it more closer to, um, it's the same timeline, just differently done because of you. So, um, what is one thing that you definitely want to see in season three? 
<laughs> oh man, your question is hard. It's like the one thing that I definitely wanted to see in season three. Man, um, hmm, give me a second here. I I think it would revolve around again seven of nine. I want to see her get fully embraced by Starfleet. You know, she's she's been on the edge. She ended uh, season two, you know, with the Stargazer and doing some role, honorary role there. But I want to see her fully embraced back in Starfleet. I don't want to see her in Fenris Ranger, you know, pursuit by the end. I want her to be like a Starfleet officer, high ranking. For me, that I I uh, I want to see no characters die. I want them all go on and live. I want to see the high stake. I want to see there be risk and danger, but I don't want to repeat stuff where we got to see like Hugh. We got to see, we, we they brought him back dead. We got to see Egypt played by somebody else dead. Maddox brought back played by somebody else dead. I think it's kind of cool the pattern of that into yeah they all got into an intense situation but they're able to pull out of it without anyone dying and then they kind of just have their own little he's gonna go off and do this they're gonna go off and do this and then we have our spinoffs with with whatever characters that way there's no uh, bittersweetness about the season three back all these characters because the argument is going to be they brought him back just to kill him <laughs> I don't think it would fit well with a lot of people if you if you did it just because. Right, right. Yeah, that, that would be so useless. I've, I've heard rumors that one of them may die. And I hate when people just think you got to kill someone just to make the story bittersweet. You know, they, they, some of these writers are like that. It's like someone has to die, even in comic books. They got like that in the 60s and 70s, like someone's going to die. And it's like, come on, uh, why? Why does someone always have to die? And if they kill off one of these characters, just like you said, having brought them all back all this way, just to knock one off, I'll be disappointed. And the one thing I did not know that, I, the one thing I did not know that I actually wanted until I saw the trailer was flipping Daniel David back as Moriarty. Is he, is he going to bring the nanny with him? I hope so. Fran Drescher, bring. <laughs> I'm going to admit to this. I did. I had no idea that he was that person because it's totally different. <laughs> I know. I, I When I first learned it, I, I was like, this guy is a marvel because I don't even think of him as the same guy. And it's it's so great that he's coming. I mean, he that episode just unnerved me when he was in TNG, and he was playing that in all the the different levels of of um, was it deception that was going on there. I, it just that was one of the best crafted episodes ever. What about Amanda Plummer as Vatic? You know, that, that one I still have to dig in, but I'm, I'm just accepting her because of her dad. You know, anybody who is, um, got the, who's got the lineage that she's got, I'm like open arm welcome them because she, she, her dad was the villain and the, the final, uh, was it, was he the final villain to fight Kirk in the movies? 
and now yeah yeah uh, and on the uh, undiscovered country and now she is supposedly one of the last villains with uh, Picard so that we're gonna see so I mean I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing her I'm sure she's a powerhouse I've never seen her in anything else but just because of her lineage I know she's gonna be good she has quite a few movies under her belt I have seen none of them but I don't watch a lot I don't watch, watch a lot of movies I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna probably have to watch something that she's in before the series starts. So I can kind of get a feel on her because she seems like she's gonna be a big part of season three. Yeah, she 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 looks. She reminds me a little bit of Angel from uh, Strange New Worlds. Like she's gonna come in, and you're gonna think she's one way, and then she's just gonna blow your fucking mind. You'll be like, holy cow! <laughs> no, that'll be cool. I, I I'm trying to figure out. Just like some individuals have speculated whether or not uh, Moriarty is going to be like against Picard or whether Picard's going to enlist him to defeat Plummer. You know, I, it's going to be interesting to see which way because Moriarty was created in the holodeck to be Data's rival. So he's going to still have that ingenuity. Uh, and I think it, it seems like Picard might have to call on him or conjure him up or something to bring back uh, what he needs to level the battlefield, you know, level the playing field. Because the final season of, 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 of Picard, and we know that there's some kind of crazy thing that Adder Stewart teased us that was not in the trailer. What would happen, do you think, if we find out that everything that we have been seeing from the last episode that Moriarty was in up until now was actually on the holodeck. <laughs> if they do that to us, I will, I will buy a TNG uniform and burn it in my front yard. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't handle that I can't, I can't handle all that emotion I invested and all those tears I invested when I when I saw Data's daughter and I saw all those scenes and then to know that it was all just imagination I, I they can't do that to me they can't do that to us I agree that would be like holy cow because now we have to kind of show how Moriarty got from point A to point B because he was on the he was on the Rise D, he was in that little cube thing, he was on the memory, but now he's back and he's he's obviously in a hologram a hologram situation and he raises his head and says, Hello friends. So <laughs> I wonder if a man of Plumber's Vatic uh puts them into her holodeck and like Treats it kind of like what Spider-Man, I can't remember which one it was, where he, she was kind of confused him by the situations that he was in, and he was actually like in a hologram the whole entire time of that particular episode, not the whole entire thing, and and, and they're doing something like that, because he was only filming for like a day, I guess, but you can do a lot in a day. Yeah, you mean Moriarty was only, Daniel Davis, yeah. you know, Daniel yeah. Davis was only... Yeah, he did a cameo thing where he would talk about how long he was actually on set. And it was like a very limited amount of time. But 
my thinking is like when I go to do my little amateur family movie that I do, I can have a brand new character introduce a plot point that my other characters have to run with. You don't actually have to use that initial character. It's great that they have that being played by the same guy. That chef's kids love it. So, <laughs> then something can be happening. They can be talking about him, and they can like be reflecting on him, and then they come back to him, and then we get to see him again. So he might have only been there for a day, but they can kind of space out his incursions with them in the in that particular. Episode, or maybe over a couple of episodes, kind of like what they did with uh, How I Met Your Mother, where they filmed all the scenes of the kids at once, and they kind of sprinkled it in as the show went on. So you, you can do a lot with a little if you do it if you do it right. I, I'm I'm familiar with that because I don't know if you remember that old show in the '60s called Family Affair with Brian Keith, and and I you know he was a movie star at that time. I read and. He signed on for the show, but he had conditions like he would film like maybe six or ten episodes all in all at once, and then he'd be gone for months while the rest of the crew was doing all the filler ends. It's like it's like so amazing. He would just do his scenes for like ten episodes, and then but we as the audience see him as like an, a fixture in the apartment and in, in the daily lives of the characters. But they just did it with with uh, movie magic, you know? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the USS Titan A? Oh, this is Casual Tracker. We're back again. And home. third part of this podcast that I'm going to put all together on a, di- on a different podcast later when I film it again on my other phone just, just to record straight through. All right, so... The last thing we're going to talk about is the USS Titan A, the rebrand of Riker's original ship that he left Enterprise D for at the end of Nemesis that we finally got to see in action for real in um, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is also a fan design. And so was Enterprise F, by by the way, so it's kind of nice keeping it in the design family. What were your thoughts upon seeing the USS Titan A? Well, you know, that to me, that that ties up loose ends for us fans because we know that Riker went to Titan. It's all in the comic books. It's all in the novels. But now we get a chance to tie back to his, even though it's not the original ship, I, I say, I know. But it's, it's nice to have it appear because that was one of the things that I missed is seeing Riker in that role. He was so devoted to Captain Picard that we never get to really see him flex his muscles. And I think they want to help us as fans. Great. Getting that appreciation. Hello and welcome back to Casual Trekker. This is Scott. This is going to be the final conclusion to the three pieces of the interview that I had to do with you, with Eugene Van Horn Jr. This is the third part of it that is connected to the first video that I recorded that's 39 minutes long. should be directly above this if you haven't seen that part. This is a whole entire one-piece interview. I had to splice three things together to make one, if that makes sense. But this will be the conclusion to that three-part interview, starting right now with Eugene Van Horn Jr. 
this is Casual Tracker. We're back again. Third part of this podcast that I'm going to put all together on a di- on a different podcast later when I film it again on my other phone, just just to record straight through. All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about is the USS Titan A, the rebrand of Riker's original ship that he left Enterprise D for at the end of Nemesis that we finally got to see in action for real in um, Star Trek Lower Decks, which is also a fan design, and so was Enterprise F, by by the way, so it's kind of nice keeping it in the design family. What were your thoughts upon seeing the USS Titan A? Well, you know, that to me, that that ties up loose ends for us fans because we know that Riker went to Titan. It's all in the comic books. It's all in the novels. But now we get a chance to tie back to his, even though it's not the original ship, I, I say, I know, but it's, it's nice to have it appear because that was one of the things that I missed is seeing Riker in that role. He was so devoted to Captain Picard that we never get to really see him flex his muscles. And I think they want to help us as fans. Great getting that appreciation, just like when he went against the Tal Shiar and led the led the convoy against them with the fleet. You know, it's I like that tie, and I, I want to have a little bit of piece of Riker's uh, glory days. All right. So to wrap this up before it turns off on me again, my expectation is that we are all gonna we're all gonna feel like season three was the reason why season two was the way that it was. It, the, the money, money got put in season three. Season two by itself in a, in, a, in a bubble is fine because it's meant to be binged all at once. It's supposed to be just three days. It's not supposed to be like a month or two. It's just three days. So if you were to binge it, it would probably feel more cohesive. But I right. think all got put into uh, season three and I feel like we're going to see that when views. So what are your final thoughts for uh, season three? Well, I think it's going to be a great ride. I hope that we as the fans have a lot of discussion about it and uh, we play around with a lot of theories, fan theories as it's going onward, but it's going to be like that movie theater feeling where, you know, a character pops up like Han Solo pops up again after having been gone so long where we see Luke again. I mean, it's going to be that same feeling because we have as star trek fans man we have like history now you know our our history goes back to tng i mean to tos but this is going to feel so great i mean some people who are going to be watching this haven't even been alive you know who are going to be really into it weren't even alive when the original series went off the air so it's it's going to be it's going to be like a sharing of generations. We're going to really uh, unify watching this and and have a whole lot of fun and and not want it to end. I cannot wait. And it, two different dates on when this is coming out. One says February sixteenth. The other one said it was going to be February twelfth. So I'm just going to I'm just going to say it's going to be the February sixteenth one still. So. My name is Casual Trekker, aka Scott, and I was talking today with Eugene Van Horn Jr. Thanks, thanks for listening. I hope you guys have a good rest of your night.
casual trekker here i do apologize for any glitches and times that the voices were muted or talking over each other a little bit or it kind of faded out a little bit so apologize for that but thanks for listening to 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 the interview and make sure to listen to all of my other content on casual trekker i have a lot of uh videos or audio videos that aren't related to star trek also so feel free but you guys have a good rest of your night and that will conclude this podcast